Hello and a welcome to a special Friday Night League episode of The Dive. I am Kobe, joined by Keen Lamb, the writer of 10 Thoughts, who is taking his very first plunge into The Dive. Welcome. Thank you, thank you, Kobe. I've always wanted to dive into this. If you, yeah, if you get, yeah, I think it. I think it is a little weird that we're calling it the dive and we're like <laughs> branching the dive out into the, these different shows. I kind of like the the ring of the Keenan Kobe show. Uh, maybe we can establish a podcast or something along those lines. We can one v one every week to decide if Keenan or Kobe comes first. You know, and then you know, every now and then it'll be Kobe and Keenan. You'll know who won the one v one. I like it. I like it. Uh, what are you rated right now, by the way? I'm a little competitive, and I know that you have <laughs> always been you know, either diamond or master. So I feel like these oh, 1v1s no. would get heated. I feel like I'm getting called out here now. I'm actually only plat like three or something. Oh, um, okay. I, have not, uh, I have not really... I feel better. I haven't been playing as much. I've been uh, kind of on the Escape from Tarkov binge, if you've uh, <laughs> heard of that game at all. So, yeah, yeah. They're definitely on the shooter train with like Valorant and everything, so... Uh, nice. But I, I do still have some pride as a mid laner where I feel like I can jump a couple divisions up to take a jungler if I need to. That's true. You should have <laughs> you should have an inherent advantage. Wait, where um, are you at right now? Uh, right now, I am also a little embarrassed because I'm only at Diamond 2. Ooh. And I usually pride myself on keeping up at like the D1 Masters uh, like line yeah <laughs> where i can try to peek my head into masters for a little bit mm-hmm. um but uh just, yeah just unlucky teammates you know what happens exactly um so i watched a, a couple of the podcasts that you do with jat the jlxp and really like the kind of uh, slower style that uh, that you did with them and uh, just kind of breaching some of the uh, subjects that have been popping up this week our week one was full of a lot of stuff to unpack. Uh, and I kind of wanted to start it off actually with talking about Jet because he left us again. Uh, I was heartbroken the second time. <laughs> and it's it was kind of a different reaction because the first time he left, we were all shocked. And we're like, oh my God, like we have to go into red alert mode. <laughs> what are we going to do yeah. to replace all these things that Jet did? Um, and the second time we're like, ah. Uh, uh, okay, he's. I guess he's doing. He's leaving again. Similar thing. How how was it for you? Because now this time around, you've already de- developed your own, you know, relationships with Jed with these podcasts and kind of uh, got a weekly thing going. Yeah, I mean, I think I definitely was surprised. Um, I'm glad that you guys had some experience in kind of making that shift. You know, you just go into your Google Docs and search Jet leaving. You go find documents <laughs> from like a year ago. It's like, oh, you know, like we were prepared for this. Uh, for me, it actually, all- <laughs> I felt like we dealt with it worse this time, but yeah, I keep going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just one of these things where, so in the spring split, I finally started doing all these podcastings and I felt like I was kind of getting into a groove at the end. So it was kind of a little sad to have Jet leave. You know, we're going to lose out on the dosage of NBA that we kind of brought. Um, but there's no NBA right now anyway. So maybe in due, in due time, you know, I you are Kobe after literally Kobe Bryant. So there's definitely some space for the basketball talk there. Uh, but for me personally, I think it's very exciting to be chatting with you specifically right now. And when you talk about the laid back style, uh, I've mentioned this, I think, to you in the past as well, but I've also told other people is like you specifically and, and Wombat were the people that kind of got me into League of Legends in terms of like from a casting, like the, like you guys were the guys I grew up with. So like those of you coming in recently are like, oh, you know, I got Captain Flowers, I got, I got Kobe, I got Freak. And for me back in the day, 2012 with the TSM Invitationals, it was... Kobe and Wombat casting these like 
10 hour marathons on Saturdays yeah. and Sundays. So that was, you know, it's a very exciting place to be, <laughs> uh, some almost a decade later. <laughs> yeah. You're really bringing me back with that one. Uh, that's, you know, pre LCS, uh, you know, for, for everybody who's not a boomer like us, uh, watching, watching a lot of these games. Uh, and that was a time, yeah, where we, uh, there were a lot less rules too, uh, which maybe, uh, allowed us some more, uh, you know, freedom with <laughs> some of the liberties that we would take during those casts. Um, I, I really do um, want to examine more what Jad has done in his first week yeah. because we've all, of course, this is a big topic for all of us and we're all like, you know, anticipating what is going to happen as his, he's transferring into head coach. He's been very outspoken, like, all right, I'm coming in mostly to watch and learn. Um, and I'm like, so jealous because I, I'm like, <laughs> I want to learn from Core JJ, just have him every day, all day, you know, discussing league strategy and, um, you know, learning from the players, what they feel like their identity is. Those all sound like, um, you know, such exciting opportunities and some, you know, some new challenges to go after. So I put together a little draft analysis on Team Liquid's first two games. It's a very small sample size. Mm -hmm. um, but I could already see both old Team Liquid style and Jat as we know him. Um, because we know Jat, uh, you know, as a jungler himself, he's always this more low risk style, um, focusing more on like heavy farm and kind of guaranteed advantages to try and build up and on an objective focus. And if you actually look at their first two drafts, they're almost identical. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it kind of slipped by a lot of the people cause it's only two games, first two games, right? It, two points to make a line that's barely a that's barely a pattern but in every sing, in both of the games they draft three of the exact same champions the Mordekaiser the Trundle it's one of his favorites and Aphelios and then Azir Oriana as their mid laner as you're a mid laner like that's the exact same class of uh, yeah. you know scaling <laughs> control mage right and then they put a little bit of flavor in with Core JJ's pick which is a CC of either Bard more offensive looking for picks or the Braum and uh, like to me that is just a very clear and kind of iconic both team liquid and jazz style uh, how, how do you feel like he's melding with the team already and uh kind of what they already showed in their week one trend yeah i thought uh the control style was definitely what you would expect i think when you saw him as an analyst i think he kind of gravitated towards teams that like he had a lot of respect for teams that could control the map well um, I don't know him well enough in terms of like uh, the playing side of things. So in terms of like, uh, uh, so so it's interesting to see that you're like, oh, Trundle is a very jet pick. And I know throughout the broadcast, like it wasn't just you, but like everybody was kind of cracking jokes about how like, oh, you know, of course, Jet's going to like pick fiddle sticks and he's, he's got all these weird things that he likes to pick. And so it was nice for me to kind of get that kind of perspective. Uh, like you said, though, there's a couple, there's a lot left in the season. And it's always one of these things where like, I've always wondered this, if you are a coach, um, I'm also curious from your perspective, because you because you actually mentioned on the dive this week how you fielded some offers throughout the years as well, um, which was very interesting to me. So I'm curious, uh, there's always these kind of two trains of thoughts, right? Is when you come in with a new coach or like a new GM, do you implement your system? And this is also a thing that they talk about in basketball, football all the time is do you implement your system or do you adjust the way you coach to fit your pieces? And so I'm curious, is this Jet implementing his system? Do the pieces already fit the system? Like, what is the balance between that? Um, and 
like from your perspective, like how do you approach that when you like, let's say you want to play a style that favors a jungle carry heavily, but your jungler is, I'm not gonna name names. It's, uh, say your jungler is me. Yeah, he's some plat three <laughs> scrub that you just, you have to deal with. Uh, but you like you think the proper way is to play through jungle, but you can't make that trade. Like how like how do you deal with that? Yeah, I think that's that's one of the more interesting challenges that that could pop up, especially if you're looking at this example, which has really established players mm -hmm. that would be very hard, especially if you're coming in as a head coach with no head coaching experience, to try and force a style on them. And I think that's why. Chad has been really outspoken about, all right, I'm going to come in very tentatively and try and learn from you and, and, and embrace, uh, you know, the ideas and the style that you have, and then try and use that information to get the best possible outcome. To your earlier point, I think this is a case where they actually align on a lot of them um, because Jack kind of does hold a lot of, a lot of similar views, I feel like. Um, uh, on the way that the the game is played in this kind of what you know as the team liquid more slow you know let uh, more risk averse uh, I would say um, and I watched some of the interviews from the players as well to get you know try and glean some information from a lot of these strong personalities Broxa to me is one of the biggest mm -hmm. and he did an interview where he talked about looking at replays from last season and thinking why aren't we fighting here why am I not, you know, taking this objective? Why am I not fighting here? Like he was pretty about spoken about like wanting to be more aggressive, um, you know, and then uh, he's on, he's on back-to-back -back jungle games and he gets chased out of his jungle by an Italy. Um, and that's gotta be frustrating, but his focus on the objective in the first one um, was a big part of, you know, that early dragon fight, big part of how they were able to smash in what, like 25 minutes uh, in their victory over TSM. And I think it has been a, a pretty good melding of the pieces that um, already kind of fit. Yeah, I think that uh, one of the things that is going to be different is like the old TL that like the four championship TL, the way you really thought about them playing was their bot lane, which is smash. And then they would rotate double lift and core JJ around the map to kind of generate advantages. And I feel like, like to me, that was never the optimal way to play League of Legends, especially at an international level and call it a mid lane bias or whatever. But I, like, I feel like, you should play around mid, especially when you have Jensen in mid lane, who to me is still one of the like premier players in the league. And now you've added Braxa, and I feel like that's the tandem that wins. Like I was talking to, I think, FBI before the season began, and he said that Cloud9, the way they would win is they would play through mid um, and let Niski and Blabber generate plays from the beginning. And what happens when you play through mid is you can pivot that power to either side of the map immediately. Whereas when you're bot lane, you have to wait till like, oh, Finally, we get the heralds up. We're going to rotate and go all the way back to base. It's a really awkward yeah. uh, way to shift your power around the map. Um, it's like, it, but when you play through mid jungle, you can kind of shift it through top, uh, through bot, into enemy jungle. Like, there's so many quadrants you can hit. And what Cloud9 does uh, is they take that power and they immediately gain advantages either mid or top or where, like using Niski and Blabber, and then they can yeah. push that. And that's how Zven gets so strong, right? Is he gets so much support from his sides. And it's it's like it's like all these memes we see about like, oh, AD carries don't have any agency. So why would you ever center, focus a game plan around bot lane in the early game when yeah. you, should, you should just do it through mid if you have two premier players in mid and jungle and that's what TL has. And I think 
everything you're saying has been proven in the last two years of competitive play mm -hmm. multiple times. Um, like G2's rise to dominance in Europe, um, you know, completely based off this, they got two, not just one, but two of the best mid laners uh, <laughs> in, in the world, in their region, um, and move one down to the bottom lane so they could have a little bit more of that agency. And they even used, uh, you know, more mages down at the bottom side. And then FPX, doing B, fully embraces this style of the, uh, actually, he's pretty much the founder of it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about embracing something that uh, you were one of the big creators of, but um, like you're talking about, roaming to other points of the map from the mid lane that has all of this freedom. And of course, always a piece that goes right with that is the jungle. And that's why I really like your bringing up Cloud9 to kind of build out our structure of the North American scene, where they are undoubtedly the kings at the top. Um, I, you talked about it in your, in your 10 thoughts of Cloud9 being number one and have all these metaphors of being untouchable. <laughs> and like, there's, there's no question, right? Um, and this is the team that's always looking to be proactive, always looking for the next advantage that they can create on the map for themselves. And I see them more as this like berserking horde of, of you know, attack team, right? And then you go down to our, our possible contenders. Mm -hmm. um, there's Team Liquid there, which is much more, at least in the you know, first two games that they have shown and in a lot of the history of the team, more of like a fortress kind of stonewall team that will try and more outscale you, more 5v5 fight you, uh, more focus on objectives. Um, and I would put FlyQuest in a similar boat to that. And FlyQuest, while they were in the finals, I think it was very telling that Blabber, I believe it was in his interview afterwards, was like, ah, yeah, FlyQuest, easy. Like, we know exactly what they're going to draft. It's, we never feel like we're under pressure versus this team. Um, and it's kind of the, the difference in those two styles where Cloud9 fully embraces the one that's trying to create, the one that is uh, proactive and some of the teams that look for more scaling. Um, it's, like an, a, in, it's, it's like in tennis and ping pong, if you, are, if you play either of those with any regularity. The way I've always looked at FlyQuest and uh, to some extent TSM and even SKT always fit this mold to me is there are teams who are like defensive and they kind of a reactionary and like in tennis it's the kind of player that like, yeah you're always like you go like slam stuff at him you're trying to add top spin you're trying to do all these crazy things to get him to move and they are just really good at returning mm -hmm. everything they're never gonna like they, like they very rarely will just slam something past you and beat you but they just and it's they frustrating just, yeah, too because yeah. when they hit it back it's like yeah. oh it's soft kind of lobby soft, thing right. like i gotta <laughs> yeah. and and but they, they will they don't let anything get by them and they just wait for you to make mistakes and they kind of force you to like finally you hit this like insane like anime style fireball that goes across and curves <laughs> and that's like that's what they're looking for you to make and problem with a lot of teams is they're not good at creating that anime style spin shot that like you need to be able to do to beat these like really relaxed defensive mm -hmm. teams like those teams like if you that's play, your blabber and your yeah. niski they're the yeah. fireball they're the fireball and fly quest is that defensive wall that just kind of like it's like playing like a good like ai against pong like a really good it's just always back and <laughs> forth and it's like boom, boom. and fly quest is so good at doing that and so they will beat like when you play that kind of style you beat teams that you are better than like without fail if they mm -hmm. like if they're better than if you are better than them it's just, it's a safe style you can scale you can win 
but this is always kind of an A in the S when we go to international, which is like, this yeah, is kind of how Liquid played. This is kind of how TSM played. And then they found these teams that have like the Shy on them. They have Caps on them. They have Faker on them. They have these guys that are the fireballs that kind of spin past them. And I think that's what makes Cloud9 so exciting. And that's what made not having MSI so disappointing was we didn't kind of see, hey, we have a team that is like that fireball style finally. And... Uh, they unfortunately didn't yeah. get to play out. So, I mean, that's the kind of, let's, I think. Let's see them light some people on fire. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so, no, it's, it's just it's exciting, I think, to see teams start to understand, hey, Cloud9 is playing this game in this way that we probably should be playing. And I hope teams start gravitating towards that. Yeah, I agree. And I thought it was cool. Um, and we're mentioning FlyQuest. And in their attempt, again, uh, versus Cloud9, they tried, uh, mm -hmm. like you're saying, to hit some of these <laughs> some of these shots. Uh, in the early game, they were attempting to scrap with C9, and and were just unable, you know, to do so successfully. Mm -hmm. Blabber um, is able to uh, farm so much more efficiently. Uh, you mentioned this specifically in your Cloud9 10 thoughts about the gank up topside, and I even talked about it on the dive too because I thought it was so interesting. Where someday um, on the top side of the map gets this big advantage. Um, as an Orn, Solo versus GP, blowing yeah. the flash, and the wave is pushing towards him. You're like, dream scenario. <laughs> it's going to be a great gank, right? It's a very obvious choice. Um, they've made some changes to the game to experience that you get for shared kills, especially early in the game, that have lowered the value of getting some of these early kills um, and actually increased some of the value um, in you know several patches way back not not super recently to farming your camps and and we got to see it play out on stage because you're thinking oh these are all great things he burned the flash they got the wave pushing towards him medios goes up there they even kill licorice however blabber on super uh quick clear speed olaf gets the clear both scuttles gets the clear down to the bottom side of the map um gets this level lead because he didn't spend the extra time going to gank and you know steals away one of the uh, marks as well and cloud nine are able to use that advantage even though uh 100 thieves did make the strong play on top side and one of the things people kind of overlooked and i don't know how accurate this number is but every level uh, like every, you gain stats just base stats and and also you get another ability level so i think somebody calculated it's like i, I don't know if this is just an old adage that i've just made up and just held true over the years but they say it's about a thousand a thousand gold worth of stats and ability power so it was a bit lower uh man freak did it um and it, it obviously depends on your champion and some of the stats are mana and stuff but uh we had it around five to six hundred mm. uh and again this was a long time ago but that's uh that's still a significant amount and that's not taking into account like you're saying the extra ability mm -hmm. which is guaranteed damage but so, yeah yeah i mean so that's like even just that that's more than first blood right um so i was watching this and actually i was curious from your perspective because i started thinking about it um and so when you're casting as like the color caster when you were looking and somebody like at, at a certain point in cloud nine FlyQuest game i looked up and i was like oh you know kills are like four to four but cloud nine is up three thousand gold and so it's easy for us to be like oh you know it's because they have better macro but i'm curious like if you're a viewer and you tune in and you know hey cloud nine's really good at getting these like, hit, I don't know if they're even hidden, um, but these advantages that don't necessarily show up on the kill count, they don't show up sometimes even in tower leaks. What do you look for personally in the early game that says, oh, hey, this is, they're generating like 500 gold here, 300 gold here. Like, what are the things I like this a lot. should be watching for to kind of notice what Cloud9 is doing? Yeah, I, I like this a lot because 
you're bringing up the the nuance of of team compositions Mm -hmm. and it all comes down to where are you spending your resources and for what purpose Um, because if you have a team built around early game and built around dragon stacking trying to get to a super early soul something like that versus uh, the hundred thieves example where they put someday on Orn. Now someday their best player, maybe, maybe best top laner in the entire league. Even um, that might cause some drama, but <laughs> that's a, that's always a, you know, you're always like, oh, all right, we want to get someday the advantage, but he's playing a tank and he is going to get more tanky, but does, how do you win with that? Does this um, investment of resources play into your specific team game plan of how you're going to win the game? Or are you in, in getting that advantage? Are you giving up something that is key to your opponent's win condition and, you know, a level six all off that has supporting champions that have been drafted for it um, to get an early dragon to play off of, you know, early bottom fights, this sort of thing. And, and so it is, it does come down to, yes, some plays are good plays, holistically and some of them are really feeding into your carry and to your specific win condition so i I like that nuance because everyone looks at the top of the screen and they're like this team is ahead by this amount of gold um all right well what is the plan is this team getting outscaled uh you know do they have siege composition are they trying to poke or are they trying to you know draw you to baron Uh, and those types of thing which those things always keep me interested in league and the evolving strategies, uh, you know, and, and which one is better at which time. So in that specific situation where Meteos got the first blood, uh, someday generated, like they blew his flash and Blabber and C9 still ended up flipping that into an advantage for Cloud9 somehow down the road. If you're 100 Thieves and you look at that, you say, okay, well, there's no way getting first blood was actually a bad play, um, even though we gave up like a scuttle for it. Um, my question is, is that true? Was it like, should they have not gone for that first blood or like what did they need to do after securing that first blood to actually guarantee that that was a good play? Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting question because again, I have the same reaction where I'm like, there's no way that was wrong. You, Mm -hmm. you burned his flash. The wave is pushing against you. Um, Olaf is clearing top to bottom. Um, So unless the changes to, early kill experience were so extreme <laughs> that losing a scuttle, which Olaf, Olaf already, if you have uh, a pushing mid laner, uh-huh. um, you know, has a, has a decent chance of doing that. The Kindred kind of has to get vision of the Olaf, go to the other one, wait for the uh, Mark to spawn on that crab. Sometimes it, it can be hard uh, anyway, but Jungle is always about being efficient with your time. And since there, there are so many changes to jungle camp experience and kill experience and the debate of when to spend your time going for these ganks, I thought that was a pretty efficient use of time. Um, but I do need to go back and check once again about the route and what camps were remaining because it does have longer lasting effects later into the game. Sometimes if you reveal yourself that early against a super powerful early jungler like Olaf, um, then it can it can cost you more things. You could, there could be ramifications that you didn't think of in the moment. Yeah. So moral of the story for those of you 
playing solo queue, especially as a jungler, if the other guy gets first blood first, sometimes you can just be like, no, no, no. It's not always a good thing to get first blood, you know? So I, I still maintain that it is always a good thing to get the first blood. If if you don't have to camp in that brush for like five minutes or something, yeah. like that, it didn't take him too much time yeah. going up there. So I'm still, I I have such a hard time letting go of that, you know, <laughs> of, of being like, what? What are you saying? The Olaf getting an extra crab? I, I don't know. <laughs> Last, last thing I just want to say before we run out of time here is I know you were talking about how Jat wanted to, one of the things he said he wants to do is learn. So I have a conspiracy mm. theory I would like to throw out here, which is that we can expect Jat to potentially return if suddenly his solo queue ranking starts like, oh, suddenly Jat's challenger. You know, he's, uh, he's really doing it. He's like, he's specifically coaching just to improve his solo queue rank. That is my, mm. that is my theory there. So is he getting boosted by one of his players to get challenger? <laughs> that's, that's what I would think if I saw his rating going up to challenger. I'd yeah. be like, hmm, yeah. It's a duo queue with some guy named uh, Bloxa. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, who could, who could that be? <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. Um, I mean, this was a really quick, just 25 seg- uh, minute segment, but um, I definitely, I definitely enjoy the talk and, and where we can start to go with this. For now, um, if you want to view more episodes of The Dive, uh, the regular dive with the uh, regular people, head over to Spotify or any of the other major uh, platforms. 